Welcome to This Is Getting Good, the podcast for women who want to challenge the status quo and decide for ourselves what it looks and feels like to age as women. I'm here to remind you and me that aging is not a crime. It's a privilege. Let's celebrate what's good about this time and get a handle on what's not. We have so much to talk about. Hey friends, welcome to episode 10 of This Is Getting Good podcast. Today's episode is an interview with a friend of mine named Cindy Eggerts. I have a list of about 100 episode ideas and it is growing all the time. So if you have one, send it my way. But one of my ideas for an episode is life lessons learned in each decade. I thought it would be fun to interview people about things that they learned in their 20s, things they learned in their 30s, things they learned in their 40s, 50s, and so on. And I just happened to be perusing my list of ideas, trying to come up with the next episode. And my friend Cindy posted on Facebook about her birthday. She just turned 41 and she posted a list of lessons and things that she has learned in those 41 years. And I thought, perfect, perfect. I love what she wrote. I share it with you in this podcast. We talk about so many things. We talk about lessons learned. We talk about Wim Hof and cold water therapy. We talk about how to throw your own birthday party and lots of other fun things. So I really think that if you listen and tune in, I really think that there will be something of value that speaks to you. And that is my goal with every episode of this podcast, that you take away one golden nugget. And it might not even be the thing that I intended for you to take away, but I do think these conversations are meaningful and important, and I hope that you get something out of this one. I can't wait for you to meet Cindy. She's awesome, and I know you're going to love her, so here we go. First, will you just introduce yourself? I'm Cindy Eggerts. I live in Midway, Utah. I love to be outside. I love walking barefoot in the dirt. I love kids planning to go back to teach in the fall, which I'm way excited about. How did we meet? So I'm a big Kelly fan. I'm trying to think the first place I saw your jewelry, but it was probably Jenny B. And I got one of the penny necklaces and I loved the story and the poems that you have on there and the mantras. And and then we kind of had, I mean, I'm like an Instagram stalker and I think you're hilarious. We talked about deodorant for the lady parts. Oh, that's right. Do you use it? Do you use that for me? I do yes, too. from you because you recommended it. It's fantastic. It's the best thing ever. It <laughs> really is. We, I could do. I could do a whole episode about that. Yeah, I will write it down <laughs> in your notebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Through our businesses, then, and you have a book, and I think it's so great. This book that you wrote. So years ago, my kids, my two girls, went to a little class that a girl was hosting in the neighborhood. They came home with these fairy gardens and I'd never even heard of a fairy garden before. And I thought, this is freaking magical. (laughs) I loved it. And so that kind of spurred the idea for a book because I love to write and it's always been my dream to do children's picture books. So I wrote a book called My Fairy's Garden, all about a girl and meeting her fairy and building a little house for her and kind of the magical things the fairy does. And then from the book, kind of morphed into this business idea of fairy gardening and the magic of imagination and kind of creating magical memories with 
your little ones or your old ones. It's been a lot of fun. And I love, like, it turns on this switch and, and the kids already have it, but as a parent and as an adult, it turns on this switch of like imagination and being a kid again and like walking through the neighborhood and you see an elephant ear leaf and you think, oh, that'd be the softest yeah. bed for the fairy. And yeah, yeah, it's fun just turning that switch on again. It is fun. There's a tree in my backyard that we cut down and we had a couple feet of a stump sticking out and I didn't want to cut the stump out because it was kicking my butt that amount of work. Mm -hmm. And so instead I built a little roof for it and I cut little windows in it. And it's this project that I do. I love it. And it's so fun. And you're right. I found these little half walnut shells when I was walking my dog the other day. And I was like, oh, you know what I could do? You know, I can think of what I can do yes. with these little walnut shells on like my house. Little dishes yeah. or yeah, or little sticks for a ladder. And yeah. yeah it's so I love pebbles that I made stairs. So you're right. It like it love turns it. on that youthful imagination, that magic that we lose when we get old. Totally. I love it. Okay. So you just had a birthday. Yeah. 41. 41. And the reason that I thought it would be fun to interview you is you did a post and I have your post here. I'm going to read it to you. 41 years around the sun and my body is feeling it. I'm learning that pain comes with age and that moving is key. Learning to simplify life and focusing on peeling away the many layers of ego and pride. I'm trying to free myself from judgment to see someone and have my first reaction be one of love and acceptance, not criticism. I've got a long way to go. I'm learning to ask for help when I need it and recognizing that perhaps Western medicine does have a place to aid my brain and body. I'm learning to spend time with those that fill my soul. I'm learning to love my husband and make him a priority. Aren't life lessons glorious? Life is good. Growth is epic. I loved everything you wrote. There were so many things that I thought, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there were some that I was like, oh, I wonder what that means. But I loved all of the things and I resonated with so many of them. And I was trying to pick one when I thought to interview and I was trying to pick one that we could focus on. But then I thought, no, what would be better is if I asked you to share with me a list. There are a few that really like stood out to me. And one that I feel like was life-changing was the concept of self-care versus selfishness. Because I always thought that, you know, if you're not constantly giving of your time and your energy, like, then you're being selfish. Or if you're, you know, if someone's in need, your, your first priority should be to help them regardless of what it does to you. And then I learned about boundaries. <laughs> and I learned that putting yourself first is okay. Self-care means taking care of you. Cause if you're depleted and your bucket's empty, then what do you have to offer anybody? Like you don't have anything. A hundred percent agree with you. I feel a little bit like we're taught somewhere along the way. And I don't know if this is just women or if this is men too, but that we're taught that putting others above ourselves is like a virtue to be sought after. Totally. And especially within religion, like within the Christian world, you know, it's like, no, that's not Christ-like. You um, exercising instead of making your kids a hot breakfast, that's not Christ-like. You know? right. but, and so I think, and I think that's just comes from a personal, a personal view. I don't necessarily think that we're taught that. I just think that's kind of a cultural thing. What was another one? Mindfulness, like being aware of, your body, especially pain within your body, 
like, how do I stand? How do I, how do I sit? Like, you know how you're all hunched over all the time. It's like, Oh, okay. If I'm mindful about that, I can kind of drop my shoulders a little bit, maybe engage the core. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And mindful about your head space. I think another, another big one for me is being present And I think everybody has issues with getting lost in your head and thinking thoughts and to the point where you're not even in the room with someone. And something that I've really tried to be mindful of that I have a a big ways to go is like putting my phone away when my kids are in the room Mm. and just be with them and talk to them, ask them about their day. It's such a normal distraction now. So even in a room full of people, just to like maybe put the phone down for a second and be present in that moment, take a few breaths and see what it has to offer you. Man, it's hard to not do it, isn't it? I know that one. It's I totally hard. Time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm guilty of it. And I, I feel like another one of the huge lessons I've learned that kind of goes along with this is that life is a practice. Like there's no perfection of anything. So don't, I don't know, don't be down on yourself for not mastering something or for feeling guilt over today. We're just going to put on a movie. You know what? Maybe we were going to watch two movies and we're going to have popcorn for dinner because that's what I can handle right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like just practice and, and get better and, and then, you know, ask for forgiveness when you mess up and just keep going. Some, a yoga teacher said that one time in class that everything is practice. This is a practice, but everything you're doing is a practice. And I remember thinking, oh, yes, that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Totally. The other thing I learned too, and this kind of goes from like 20s to 30s and on, is never say never. Remember when you were, before you were a mom and I'd see those kids like throwing a tantrum and they're laid out on the floor of Walmart screaming because they want the sucker or something. Mm -hmm. And I would think, I will never, my child will never. And then you're there. Like you always get there. You always get to that, that never. And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, I'm there. Yeah. Oh, you don't know at the time. You don't know what you don't know. And I thought, I thought that I would judged moms with teenagers. Um, I have little kids and I've got my little kids and I've got them all behaving and doing the thing and going to bed on time. And I'm like, Oh, I have this down. I'm really good at this parenting thing. And then I would see parents of teenagers and like, I would think just tell them they can't do that. And, (laughs) and now I realize, Oh, you're not the boss of anybody. Oh, Yeah. You can tell them, but they're not going to listen. They can just like literally (laughs) turn around and walk out the front door. After you say you're grounded, they can just go peace out and leave. And you're going, Oh, what do I do now? (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) Never say never. Yeah. 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 Cause you don't know. So just kind of keep your little judgments to yourself and think I've never been in her shoes before. I've never been in their shoes before. I can't really say. Exactly. Exactly. I would echo that. That's something that I have learned and continue to learn. And even not just about other mothers or other spouses or, or whatever, but just like other people who behave in ways that I think feels unacceptable or feels confusing to me. I just think, I don't really know what it's like to be her. I don't really. Exactly. Know. And I, I think, especially when it makes you uncomfortable, 
what hope do you have for your 50 year old self? (laughs) I hope I can still ride a bike. So every year there's like, there's more pain in your body as it ages. And, and I, I am recognizing that the key to that is movement. Like you to combat age, you have to move. And you think of people who are in their eighties and they're like pretty fit and healthy. And what are they doing? They're like walking or Mm -hmm. they're biking, like they are moving. So physically, you know, I actually heard a, I think it was a Ted talk and they, it was this person who did a study about how to live to be a hundred or secrets to living to be a hundred. And I'm not sure I want to live to be a hundred. I don't know. We'll see how my body's holding up, but at that point, but the, but he went and he did all these studies on different cultures that have people that have the, the longest lifespans. And you're right. That was the key that there are people mm-hmm. who walking is part of their everyday life. And it's like, they live in little, vill- I think there was one in Japan and there was one somewhere in South America, but the, the difference between them and all of the other rest of us is that they walk to the grocery store. If they're going to go see a friend, they walk to the friend's house, you know, and they live farther away and they do things with their hands. They garden, they make things. And also that there's no retirement age. Mm, that they are mm-hmm. expected to contribute to society throughout their life. They're not, there's no ending point where like, you're all done now. It's just golf courses and porch sitting for you now. It's that's what I think like 60. And then what, you know, yeah. like, do you just give up sit in a chair and then that's it. Watch jeopardy. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, like, um, is jeopardy's not even on anymore. Is it, did they get a new, no, host? it's, no, well, they still have the reruns, but I don't oh. know if new ones. Yeah, my husband still watches that all the time. <laughs> Speaking of 60-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, that's what that's the key. So movement. I love that. Okay, so your your hope for your 50-year-old self is that you're still able to move and that your body is still able to do things for you that you want it to do. But what yeah, else? and that I'm mentally sound. Like, I really hope that happens. I feel like, I feel like you're taking me saying your 50 year old self and you're putting, you're inserting 80 year old self, because I want (laughs) to tell you, I am like really close to being 50 and I am a hundred percent here mentally, (laughs) but I think we sometimes reject this idea of what an age. I know that I did when, when, when I think of, or have thought of age 50, it just sounds a lot older to me than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a woman who did an Ironman for her 50th birthday to some, which that is bananas, no matter how old you are to do those. It's the only thing is, yeah, like my body's just not quite as, it doesn't bounce back from things. It doesn't. We're not the young whippersnappers. <laughs> no, no oh, I hate that. But I've got some, I, I thought I should do a whole podcast episode because I have supplements that I take that really help with like my muscle recovery after I work out and like, um, energy throughout the day. And I mean, it's quite a little lineup of supplements by my kitchen sink. <laughs> that yeah, write that keeping down the too. machine going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that would be a good one too. Yeah. They're useful and, and mostly natural, you know, like, like they're just so good plant-based and things. So it is good. Are you a person that dreads your birthday? I love my birthday. This is something I've learned too. You're in charge of your own happiness. So I think as women, we're like, okay, Mother's Day, birthday, it's all about me. What are you going to give me? What are you going to do for me? Is that wrong? We, 
<laughs> but we like have these high expectations. And then when husband doesn't make his breakfast in bed, we're like pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like, so I've learned number one, I am in charge of my own happiness. Yeah. Entirely up to me. And number two, like plan your own birthday. Don't wait for someone to plan it for you. Oh, you're the same I do way because you had, yeah. Oh yeah. I plan my birth. I love my birthday. And I do take the approach of like, this day is whatever I want it to be. Like I'm the boss of this day. Yes. I have had the best birthdays because I'm planning them and I know exactly what I want. <laughs> so perfect. I'm the best person to do it. And yeah. like, don't wait around for your husband to plan something or your kids or your friends, like just plan it, like do yes. it. It's your day. Yeah. Yeah. So I love birthdays. So my, my little birthday just a week ago, we hiked up to some hot springs and I was with some of my favorite girlfriends and we had lunch in the springs and then hiked back and it was awesome. Hot springs, not cold springs. Yeah. And we were hoping the river would be, usually the river flows through it. So you can go from like cold to hot, but. Do you do that? Do you still jump in that cold water every, like how often do you? Yeah. So I try to do at least once a week. I've been reading about Wim Hof. I've been watching these videos that talk about the benefits of that super cold, like getting your body in that cold temperature. And so many people talk about how it's better for your mental health. It's better for your physical health, the benefits of it. They even talk about how it's good for your skin and like just it it does something to your system. I wonder if we're supposed to be doing that and we just don't because we have hot showers that feel so good. Totally. And honestly, we're creatures of comfort and that comfort has made us soft. Mm. Like we're no longer the hunter gatherers. We're we're in our cars and we have seats that will heat up steering wheels that will heat up. If we're cold, if we're too hot, you turn on the air conditioning. So we're in this constant state of comfort and the body is never put under stress, right? Except for like anxiety and emotional stress. But as far as like a stressful condition that, that challenges our bodies physically, like we're never there. And so our mental health for sure is affected because of that. So the interesting thing about the cold water was, so it was two years ago, right about this same time, I was in this depression. And I think people use the word depression pretty liberally. And there are definitely different degrees of depression. And I would always get seasonal depression and postpartum. But this this was something I had never experienced before, where I was without hope and I, it was, it seemed so difficult for me to just make it through the day. And I never felt like that before. So I could get up out of bed enough to get the kids off to school, but I was so physically weak that I would have to go back to bed. I'd sleep most of the day. Um, And my mind, I could recognize that all the like bad thoughts that I was having was coming from my brain. And that that wasn't me specifically. Like, I feel like there's our physical self and our spiritual self. And I could tell this was just my physical body going through stuff. So I would never act on anything coming from my brain, but I was in this funk, like for a while, and it was really bad. And one night I'm praying to God. I didn't necessarily ask him to take it from me because I recognize that we're supposed to bear things. But I asked him like, what, what do I need to do to lift this? Um, because it was so heavy. And he said, get in the river. (laughs) That was his answer. Like you need to get in the river. And I thought, 
Hey, that's crazy. Like I had done polar plunges like the year before with my friends, you know, where we jump in and scream and get back out. I thought, okay, that's interesting. Get in the river. And so I did, I got some friends together and we went and we just kind of jumped in and got back out and it was March. So it was cold water with snow all around from that experience. It's kind of evolved into, okay, well, let's, I feel like we could sit in the water for a while. Like, let's just get in and, and try to breathe and be in control of our bodies. So, so even though your mind is telling you, don't get in that water, are you crazy? Do you know how cold that water is? Like you're going to be freezing this entire time. And your mind is going crazy, but you are telling your brain, no, I'm going to get in because I'm in charge of me and my body. And you get in and, you know, you have that kind of cold moment and then to just breathe in and out in that water and to just be, and that even though you're uncomfortable, you're still comfortable. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like there's comfort in the discomfort because you are in charge of you. So after my friends and I had been doing this for a while, one of my friends said, have you heard of Wim Hof? And I said, Wim Hof, what is that? I didn't even know what it was. And she's like, no, it's a person. And so I listened to his book and did all kinds of research and listened to this book called What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. And um, I found out that Wim was the exact same way. So his wife took her own life. She had schizophrenia. Took her own life, um, left him with four kids, and he was walking through a park one day, and he sees this pond with this crust of ice on the top, and he had the impression to get in the pond. So he stripped down, broke the ice, and just sat in the water. And you know, now look, I mean, there's millions around the world who are following him and his practices of cold water and healing and therapy. Um, because it does. And I found for myself, like it pulled me from that darkness for sure. And something about being in that cold water and sitting and finding comfort in the discomfort. And then after I've sat there for about a minute or so, uh, then I dunk myself under and it just like something clicks and it just resets my system. And, and everyone's like, how can you do that? But anyone can do it. Like you're in charge of you, right? And is it uncomfortable? Yeah. But are you going to die? No, you're not going to die. You'll be uncomfortable for a little while, but you can do it. It's almost like that is just a metaphor for everything else. I mean, like you can, you're not going to die. It is uncomfortable. You can bear it. You can breathe through it. You can survive it. You can be comfortable in the discomfort and then, and then it will be over. It's almost just like this beautiful metaphor for anything hard that you would be going through in your life. And I do feel like the physical practices that we do, it, it, it does translate into all of the other areas of my life. It's, it teaches me things. It teaches me things about my physical abilities and my abilities to withstand discomfort. But I love that. And this is not to say that like people who actually have um, people who are depressed shouldn't seek medical care or take medication for depression or all of those things. But I have been reading about this cold water therapy as it being a way to, yeah, like you're saying, like reset your system and people take cold showers every day and people immerse themselves in cold water every day. And that's kind of the premise of this whole philosophy is stressing the body enough so that your mind knows that it can do those things right? Like finding, like being okay in the discomfort. I love that. I love that story though. I think 
when you told me that, I was like, that's amazing. What's amazing is that I really believe that there is help there for us if we need it. And that getting quiet and listening for those answers to come, they will come and acting on them, no matter how bonkers they might sound like getting the river. What? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I know. And then to do it. And I just think there's so much help out there for us and it doesn't have to be complicated. Exactly. And I think before I always thought, you know, there's, there's nature can heal us, right? Like the water helped me. And when I garden, it helps me, but I, you know, and just with my last post saying there is a place for Western medicine, like I, I, so I just started on medication because I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do to fight this, but, but what if I can't fight it anymore? Like what if I get depression, you mean the depression? Yeah. Anxiety is a huge part of it too. And so there is a place for everything and, and that it's okay to like, you know, I'm going to try medication and I'm going to see if it helps me. Cause wouldn't it be nice for me to, instead of, instead of trying to survive a day to just like live a day and feel like myself again. Yeah. So I think there is a place and a time for everything. And like you said, the important thing is to pray or to meditate and to just be still and just listen and answers will come. I totally agree. Thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself and so many of your thoughts about these different lessons, these valuable lessons that you've learned in your 41 years on the planet. I hope we can learn from each other. And and I hope there's something in what you said that sparks something in another person that will be of value. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for letting me It gave me an opportunity to like reflect on a lot of things. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being here. I genuinely appreciate this opportunity to share and learn with you. I would love to keep the conversation going on my website. This is gettinggood.com. Every episode has a blog post that includes links to the things we discuss. There are pictures of my guests and highlights from our conversation. So check it out and leave any comments or insights or thoughts you have about the episode. I would love to hear from you. You can also connect with me on Instagram or Facebook, as well as sign up for the monthly email. Links to all of that on the website. And if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, head to the website and click apply. It's all there at thisisgettinggood.com. If you found value in this podcast, why not subscribe? Better yet, write a review and share it with a friend. 